Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I love that. And you know what? I'm looking at that verse, and I'm really glad that that verse says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Because that verse could have said, greater is he who is in heaven. You get what I'm saying? That would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? Greater is he who is in heaven. Greater is he who is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, you know? But what does it say? It says, the greater one is in you. What a profound thought. Greater is he who is in you than anything you're gonna come across in the world. The greater one is in you. Come on. The greater, if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know if I can get you excited. The greater one is in you. And so he says greater, you know, here's the thing. At the present time, heaven, we know heaven is invading earth, okay? Heaven is coming into the earth. And here's how he's doing it. He's doing it through you and through me, through the hearts of those who are committed to him, who belong to him. If you belong to heaven, the greater one is in you, amen? Isn't that good? You know, and here's the thing. One of the things that, that religion always tries to do is, and, and the world, I'm telling you what, the world and religion are, are in agreement on this one. They don't want it to invade the world. They just want it to stay in your heart, right? They want Jesus to be in your heart. They want your religion to be a private matter, okay? But I'm telling you, he's in you because he wants to work through you. He's invading the world through you so that you can affect your circumstances around you through the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Come on, that's good right there. I mean, if we just take that and run with it, we could see a lot of stuff going on, right? Just believing God. So here's the thing. He's, he's wanting, you know, there was a song I was driving one time listening to one of the wonderful, we have wonderful radio stations in town. I'm not complaining at all, but I was listening to a song and it was a Christian song and it was from the Isaiah passage and it was singing, by his stripes, we are healed by his wounds. You know, we've been, I can't remember the exact phrasing they used, you know, but it, they were singing, basically singing that verse. And I'm like, it's a good song. I'm like, I'm down the road, turning it up. I'm listening. And all of a sudden they get to the big verse and they go, and God's still healing hearts today. And I'm like, why do we have to limit it to being healing my heart, right? The Bible's talking about healing my body in that particular passage, as well as my heart, right? I mean, why limit it? Why does it have to be an internal thing I don't share with the world? He's doing more than just healing hearts. He's healing bodies. He's renewing minds. He's changing families. He's setting people free. These are the things that are happening today in the church. If you are in the place where the church is working, these are the things that Jesus did in his ministry are the things he is still wanting to do today through you and through me. So don't just, you know, the Bible says that whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly will flow what? Rivers of living water. It's supposed to flow through us. What's a river? A river flows, right? You can't, you know, too many times, I think we've tried to dam up that river and turn it inward, trying to take care of ourselves. You know, I need to get fixed, man. I got problems. I need this. Well, God will fix you. That's good. But he wants to fix you because he wants to flow through you so that you can be the solution to help fix somebody else. In fact, the best way you and I can grow spiritually is to quit looking at ourselves and start looking at the needs of others, right? I mean, you'll find out that that river flowing through you to them, you get to, you get to drink of it too, right? But we don't want to dam it up and bottle it up because you dam it up, you stop it. You stop the flow. Come on, it's a river, it's a river. It's an unending supply. 
It flows. It wants to flow through you and through me and change the world around us. And so I just want to preface the message today by, by reminding you today that in this present age, there are two kingdoms at play, right? I talk about it all the time. There's two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light, Satan's kingdom, the kingdom of God. I want to read a couple of verses to you. First John uh, 5, starting at verse 19, it says, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Listen to that. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Man, we just got to face the reality of that. You know, there was a time in my life growing up in the Midwest in the 80s and 90s where it meant you could look around and it didn't look like the whole world was under the power of the evil one. You could believe that people were basically good and everything's going to be okay. But man, the more we see stuff, I guess the more connected we are being online and seeing just some of the, why is it that online like attracts the worst of us? It just does, right? I mean, sometimes you look online, you can get really depressed because it's just like the worst stuff floats to the top all the time. Man, that's why you need to be in real relationships with people so you can have faith that God can change your heart. You know, that I, I mean, the relationships I have with you guys here gives me hope in humanity. If all I had was um, YouTube, especially, you know, YouTube shorts or news headlines and stuff like that, I'd be like, I'd be hopeless. <laughs> But it says the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. That's just a fact. It lies in the power of the evil one. And then it says, and then we know that the son of God has come and given us understanding. What's he given us? Understanding. I'll try it again. What's he given us? Understanding. So that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true and his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So we see two kingdoms here at play in this. They're both operational in this present age. And what I want to say is this, don't blur the lines between those two kingdoms. A lot of times we blur the lines and we think it's okay to do a little bit of, you know, mix into a little bit of this kingdom and that kingdom. And, and what did one, if there's one thing that Jesus did, and if there's one thing that um, great gospel preachers have done over the centuries is they know how to draw a line and make it clear so that you know where you stand right? And one of the things he did, um, uh, he, he made a distinction. He said, the thief comes but for to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that they may have life. He's made, he's drawn lines and said, pick a side, man. Pick a side. No more straddling the fence. No more trying to be in both kingdoms. You're either in or you're out, right? And here's the thing. If you've never called on God to save you from this world, then you're still in the world's kingdom. If you've never called to him in repentance, every, everybody who is in the kingdom of God has at some point in their life called upon God in the name of Jesus, said, save me, I need you to save me from this present kingdom. That's just what happened. Why? Because we're all born into the world's kingdom, right? And at some point, if we have got to call on God and come out, if we've not done that, we're still in the world system. And, and it's important to know that. Draw the line. The whole world is under control of the evil one. So what it says, so, Call on God in the name of the Lord. Amen. Yes. Call on God. The apostle Paul was sent to the nations, he said, when he was recounting what God told him to do in Acts 26, verse 18, he says, God has sent me to the nations to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power or domain of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Couldn't be clearer, could you? He sent me to turn them from darkness to light. First, they had to see that they were in darkness. And he was drawing lines and helping them, helping them to understand where they were. Um, Colossians said that when you and I were saved, 
that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I like that. But you see, the Bible is very clear. I mean, it's just black and white, kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. We've got to see a huge difference between the world's kingdoms, the kingdom of the world run by Satan and the kingdom of God, lest we forget our mission, right? We can get too comfortable you know, living off the local economy here. Man, we're not supposed to live off the local economy. We're supposed to live off of heaven's economy, right? Yes, sir. Selah. We need to see the huge difference because this world is an ever-present danger for those who walk carelessly. It just is. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul was writing probably his most personal letter ever to Timothy. And he was telling him about this man named Demas. And he said, Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone on to Thessalonica. I mean, here's a man who walked and ministered with the apostle Paul. Can you imagine the miracles this man must have seen? Can you imagine the experiences he must have had with God? Yet here's a man who was in love with the present world and deserted. James reminds us uh, that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself, makes himself an enemy of God. It's strong, it's strong, but it's clear, isn't it? Come on, you gotta light clear. I like clear, I like clear. I mean, man, you drown in those gray areas sometimes. Back and forth. No, it's clear, I like it. And so today I wanna take you back to the book of Ephesians. We started a study on that um, a couple months ago, probably, and then I'd been preaching some other things that were more pressing on my heart, but I felt like it's time to get back to the book of Ephesians. So, Bruce, this is going to be the book of Ephesians, part three, okay? We're going to call it Two Kingdoms, all right? And I'm going to take you to uh, uh, Ephesians chapter two and verse one. I'm going to read you the first three verses. Um, we're going to talk about it for a minute. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. So don't feel bad if that's where you have been. We've all been there, okay? Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Lord, we just thank you for your word. And I thank you, I thank you for just the witness of your spirit in this place right now. And I know you're working. I know you're moving. Father God, I just want to give my affirmation to what you're doing right now, what you're doing in hearts and minds and bodies and lives. Father God, continue that. Lord, give me utterance. And we want to cooperate with what the spirit has for us this morning. In Jesus' name, give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. It starts off, it says, you were dead. You were dead. That's a strong word, isn't it? You are dead in trespasses and sins. You know, people ask all the time, why is there evil in the world? Why is all this death and stuff happening? The answer is because people are dead in trespasses and sins. That's why the evil is going on. People have chosen 
to not walk with the truth, to not walk with God, and the evil has entered the world by one man's disobedience, sin, and here it is, right? And it does go back, it does go back to Adam. And, and what we're speaking of is obviously not a physical death, but a spiritual death, right? It's a spiritual death. Um, when you look at what uh, God told Adam in Genesis chapter two, he gives him a command. He says, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for on the day that you eat of it, what? You shall surely die. Well, we know Adam went on to live a 900, another 900 years, 930 years or something like that before he died physically, right? But what happened the day he ate of it, his, he, he died spiritually, and immediately his life was separated from the life of God. And though his body continued on, he was no longer living out of his spirit. He was living by the impulses and desires of the flesh and of his carnal mind. Take a tree out of the earth, take a fish out of the water, take a man out of God, right? All of that produces death. So Adam was no longer alive spiritually. He could not relate or fellowship with God, okay? In, in uh, uh, John 4, it says that God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Adam walked with God. He could relate to him as a spirit. And now Adam is dead spiritually. He can no longer relate to God except through senses and rules and regulations and all the death that was in the world. So you got to understand, I'm getting off my notes, but I think this is important. You got to understand when you read the Bible and you look at the Old Testament and you look at some of the things that God was doing with the nation of Israel and the other nations, understand that he was not, this was not ideal. He was working with a spiritually dead people who could no longer relate to him. All they could do was no rules and don't handle, don't touch, do this, don't do that. And what he was doing was he set a, 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 a set of rules and regulations to preserve a nation so that he could keep them just enough so he could work through that nation to bring about Jesus Christ, right? Who was able to cause you to be born again spiritually, right? So when you get in there, don't get bogged down with some of that stuff. It's good to study. You need to know it, but understand it in its context. The Bible says if life could have come through the law, then life would have come through the commandment, right? But it couldn't. It came through Jesus Christ, which is what the commandment and the law testified to, okay? So that was important for some reason. Um, let me get back. Uh, so God is spirit. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. Adam could no longer relate to God by spirit, but only through his senses, okay? And that condition was passed on to all of humanity after that. So we were dead, it says, in our trespasses and sins. The word trespass there means to fall to one side, like to miss what you're shooting at. And the other word for sin is a word that means to miss the mark or to fall short. And uh, most of your common, you look at the word meanings, it's, it, it talks about somebody like shooting an arrow, like an archery at a target. And instead of hitting the target, it falls short. And so this is the condition of humanity because because of sin, dead in our trespasses and sin. We fell short. There's nothing that a natural man could do to hit the target. 
Even his best works could not hit the target. That's why we needed a savior, amen? That's why we needed rescued. There was no way we could rescue ourselves in that condition. It says, you were dead in trespasses and sin in which, which you once walked. You know, your walk is your lifestyle, right? So, I mean, they had, we had, before Jesus, we had a lifestyle of trespasses and sins. Everything we did separate from God just bore witness to the fact that we were separate from God. Even those who had the the wonderful commandments of God, they were offering the bulls and the goats to cover their sins and everything. And what did it do? It just served as a yearly reminder that that sin was still there. It did. It could not remove sin. Rules and regulations could not. What you need is new life connected to God. So even the good things we do, separate from God, just bear witness to the fact that we're separate from God. And then listen to this. It says, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. The course of this world. That's an interesting phrase to me. It reminds me, uh, some translations will say course of this world. Some will say the ways of this world. I even found one that said following the principles of this world. But it reminds me of Romans 12 too. What? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind, right? See, there's a pattern in the world that people are following and they can't help it. They're just following the course of this world. You know, every generation, it's amazing to me, every generation comes along and thinks that they've found some kind of new enlightenment and they've got it right where all the other generations have got it wrong. And all they're doing is just following the course of this world. I mean, come on, what's going on right now is not the first wars that have ever happened right? This is not the first time in the history of the world where cultures were gender confused. It's just not. It's all happened. It's all happened before. It's not the first time in the world where people have been oppressed. All these things have been going on since the beginning. Why? Because people are dead in their trespasses and sins. That's what's going on. And, and you know, every generation comes and they think they've got it figured out and they're so smart. And, and, and my point is this, Outside of Jesus, you're not the independent thinker that you think you are. Are you with me? That's what I'm trying to say. If you're, fo- you're, you're actually following a course of this world that's been laid out for you by somebody else. You're not even doing your own thing. You think you're doing your own thing, but you're just following Satan. And so history keeps repeating itself over and over and over. And there's wars and rumors of wars and famines and all the crazy things that are going on all over the world. Because why? Because people think they're so smart, but they're just following the course of the world. The Bible even speaks of people who are so headstrong that they have actually been taken captive by Satan to do his will. So it says, you're following the course of this world. Listen to this, following the prince of the power of the air. Here he's called, this is the devil, you know, the devil, the enemy, the adversary. He's called the prince of the power of the air. He's also called the ruler of this world. John, uh, Jesus called him the ruler of this world. He referred to him several times as the ruler of this world. Not the kingdom, this world, this world's kingdoms, Right. Um, 2 uh, Corinthians 4.4 4 says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Listen, he's blinded their minds. I asked you earlier, what's that verse say? First uh, John 5.20, it says that Jesus has given us understanding, right? Well, what's Jesus is coming to give you light, understanding, and the devil is trying to blind 
people's minds to keep them from seeing the light that's in Jesus Christ. First uh, John 5, 19, it says, we know, I read this earlier. I started with this. We know that we are from God, right? And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. You know, this is my father's world, as the hymn says, but it's been occupied by an illegal tyrant who's captured the hearts and minds of people. And understand, Jesus is the legal title holder of this world. He can come and take possession of it any time. And we believe that he can show up any time and claim that which is own. But just understand that his patience means opportunity for people to come and get saved. Because when it ends, man, what side are you on is where you're going to spend eternity. So you're not out there charting your own course. There are powers that are much bigger than you and controlling what you see and how you think. And only by coming to Jesus, humbling yourself before God, can you be set free of that snare of the devil. It's pretty heavy. It's pretty clear, right? I like clarity. It's clear, isn't it? We need to be clear. So he says, you're following the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air. Listen, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That phrase there, the sons of disobedience, that's a, a Hebrew idiom that just talks about, uh, you know, uh, the, your character. Sons of disobedience is a disobedient person. And it's interesting, it says the spirit, there's a spirit that's working in people who are disobedient. They can't help it. You know, we can get mad at them and we can hate them, but man, they didn't become like that on their own. They're following a spirit. There's a spirit working through them. They're following the course of this world. They had help to get there, in other words. They had help. We go down to verse three, last verse here in this phrase, in this section. It says, among whom we all once lived. Like I said, we've all been there. So it's not a, a condemning finger at anybody. We've all once lived. Listen, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That phrase there caught me, passions of the flesh, because it breaks it down to the desires of the body and the desires of what would be the unrenewed mind. That's like I said, that's what, how Adam had to relate to God. All he had was the flesh and his mind. That's it. He wasn't alive spiritually. He couldn't live by a, a higher purpose that he could connect to. We're supposed to be living out of our spirits. It's the, God teaches us in our spirits. We're supposed to have our spirits in ascendancy. And through the power of the Holy Spirit in our spirit, we bring our bodies and our minds into subjection to God. We renew our minds. We train our bodies, right? That's what we're supposed to be doing, but not in the world. They can't. It can't be done. You can, look at, you can look at them and say, why can't you be like this? It's because I am not like that. Be, am, it's, you know, the study of being. It's a, it's, a, it's a whole science I found out when I was in college. Ontology, the study of being. We want people to be good. No, really, we just want them to act good. <laughs> God wants them to be good and only God can make them be right right? You can put pressure, enough societal pressure on somebody. You can conform their behavior to a degree, but man, only God can take a heart and make somebody be right. Amen. So this, uh, the, the desires of the body, the desires of the mind, this is based on sensual impulses, selfishness, pride, all of those things that are part of a, of a selfish, unregenerate person. The Bible calls it the flesh, the flesh, the NIV, I think, calls it the sinful nature. That's a good way of saying it, the sinful nature. Then we get down to verse four. Let's start a new phrase here. I love this, but God. 
because <laughs> it was looking pretty rough there for a minute. Come on, say that with me. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love. Listen, don't you love the, the word but? <laughs> You've got to love the word but in the Bible. Look, Ephesians 5, 8, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. Come on, I love that word, right? First uh, Peter 2, 25, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Come on, that's a good word, isn't it? Uh, Romans 6, 20 and 22, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Come on, I love the word, but. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. That last one wasn't a Bible verse. I just thought it was good. <laughs> but marks a major change. It does. It marks a major change. And look at how you've changed when you've come to Jesus. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. Look, he goes back to the top. You know, he starts off saying, you were dead in your trespasses. But he says, but even when we were dead in our trespasses, can't God never stop loving us? God never stopped loving us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I mean, we look out here and we see the sea of lost humanity and God never stopped loving them. He never gave up hope. He does not give up hope to reach this generation. Do you know how I know? Because he hasn't come back yet. When it's over and hope is done, he comes back and takes his own. As long as he's holding out, there is hope, man. And God is hoping that people come in because he never stopped loving us, even while we were dead in our trespasses. He made us, look, made, there we go. He made us. He made us to be something we weren't. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated with us with him in the heavenly places in Christ, in Christ Jesus. Did you do your homework for tonight? Yes. <laughs> I'm sure Rick did. You need to come tonight. Rick's, Rick's uh, second week in Romans chapter eight. Yep. And I, I was here last, there last week and he said, your homework is to find out what it means to be in Christ. So there you go. There you go. Here's a good place to start in Christ. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna give you. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you a. I'm gonna give you a little um, cheat sheet. This is what I think. Tonight, when he asks, this is what I'm gonna say. Okay. In Christ means that somehow, because of the work of Jesus on the cross, God so identifies Himself, uh, identifies me with Christ that His past is now my past, and His future is my future. Isn't that good? Yeah, so I'm joined together with him forever. So what he gets, I get, never to be separated again. So, I mean, well, come on, I've been crucified with him. His past, my past. I'm gonna receive an inheritance. I'm a joint heir with him. His future is my future. Isn't that good? So you, you guys can use that. And if, if I'm not here tonight, you can use that. It says, he's raised us up and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus Verse seven, so that in the coming ages, okay, he's taught, you know, we have such a short-sighted vision sometimes. I mean, I, I, mean, I just, I'm just trying to make it through the day, <laughs> through the week, you know, trying to raise the kids, right? And God is making plans for you and me for the ages, 
ages to come. And his plan is that through the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. There's in Christ again. Verse eight, love this verse. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. It's not a result of works. So no one may boast. I like what uh, Paul said in Romans 3.27. He goes, then what becomes of boasting? It's excluded. <laughs> That's it. No boasting. You know, there's, a lot of, there's been a lot of boasting in the church. Not this church. No, not this church. But I mean, in, the, in, the, in, in church, Christian, not Christian things, there's a lot of titles and, you know, a lot of people, I'm apostle so-and-so, I'm prophet so-and-so, and, and all these things go on. I mean, Jesus said that you would know them by their fruit, not by their name tag, right? I mean, let your fruit demonstrate who you are. Man, if you're a pastor, you'll have, you'll have that fruit in your life, even if you don't occupy a pulpit. If you're a prophet, you will, you will speak the words of God, even if you don't have a name tag and a following. You get what I'm saying? Man, let your fruit speak for you. Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits, not by their titles or their positions or their name tags. I like 1 Corinthians 4, 7. I probably read it last week. I probably read it every other week. He says, who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? Okay, remember the Corinthians, they're, they're, they're breaking up into factions and they're saying, I follow Apollos. I follow Peter. I follow Paul. You know, well, I follow Christ. There's always one who says, I follow Jesus, right? There's always, you know, and, and, and they're broken up into these, these factions and these divisions and, and they're, they're, they're starting to, you know, compete with one another. Man, there is no place for that in the body of Christ. There's no place for that. And, and uh, you know, what does Paul say? He's correcting them. And he's talking about, what about you? You don't have anything that you didn't receive. And if you received it, in other words, if it came to you by grace as a gift from God, why are you boasting as if you didn't receive it? As if you earned it because you're some kind of super Christian. Man, it's the grace of God, man. It's the grace of God. There's a, there was a man who had a tremendous healing ministry. His name was um, Alexander Dowie. He didn't actually, in the end of his life, he got a little off theology, theologically. So a lot of people don't, um, a lot of people don't care to follow him or read after him or anything. But during a period of time, he had a tremendous healing ministry that influenced a lot of people who you, who you would know, like John Lake and F.F. F. Bosworth, who wrote Christ the Healer. Many of these people were associated with him um, before he kind of got off the rails in the end. But uh, he had some tremendous healing ministry testimonies going on uh, in a time where it wasn't common. And he was a very bold speaker. And uh, they said to him one time, do you think you might be an apostle? Now, today we kind of understand that there have always been apostles, right? But back then they thought that all the, you know, all the, those apostles passed away with the 12 or whatever. But they said, do you think you might be an apostle? And he thought about it and he said, you know, I might be if I could ever get small enough. For we are his workmanship, verse 10 says, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Man, God has things for you to do 
He knew the world would be a mess. There's nothing surprising him. But he planned and he prepared things for you and me to do right here in the middle of the mess. Well, it's good, isn't it? It's a powerful passage.